0: Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. Hello and welcome back to another fun and exciting episode as we dive further into the world of games. This week we are going to be, kinda, its it almost feels like a continuation of uh, the Game Jam episode, right? But we're going to be looking at, because there's a lot of like... Uh, connections between those two or between these two ideas, I think. But one, there's an interesting thing that has happened in video games and fairly recent as well within uh, the last, I don't know, like 10 years, I would say. Uh, and that is the idea of crowdfunded video games. Now, crowdfunding is not new. Well, it's become a main staple for a lot of people. And a lot of people actually use this for important things it, when it, whether it's like a family emergency, Surgery that needs to be done, or even just making a salad, right? <laughs> like those are real things that people do. You can ask for money for anything at this point, and there might be someone out there that's willing to support you. Now, what's great about this this new form of funding is that it is allowing a lot of people to work on their passion projects without having to go to a big publisher. And that's exactly where a lot of indie video games are. A lot of, or a lot of the reason why crowdfunding has blown up in the video game market right now is because a lot of publishers did not want to take the risks on some of these indie titles, so they had to find other sources of income, and that's why we have crowdfunded video games. And you know, there's a lot of success stories out there, but there's also a lot of games that have missed the mark quote unquote right Uh, and there's also a lot out there that are just not getting funded because it's there's a there's too much to look at i think at this point and a lot of people are real are relying on crowdfunding to get their games made and put out there and it's it is kind of tough to kind of shovel through some of the games that might be really great right and unless you have a celebrity backing you or a part of the project, or if it's a you know a beloved franchise from the past, the chances are you might not get that funding that you really want, right like people really love to play up the nostalgia part of it so it's it is still a tough nut to crack. It's a tough one to really get the money uh and really sell yourself out there because I mean like it or not, a lot of game designers are probably introverted. And the fact that now you have to make a video selling yourself, selling your passion, selling your idea, that's a very daunting thing. And a lot of uh, Kickstarters or uh, you know, Indiegogos out there, like they're not really well filmed or documented. And I think it's just due to that fact that there are people who are a little afraid of speaking out in public and really sharing their ideas, really expressing their passion for what they're creating. Or they're just not that passionate about it and they're just trying to, you know, break into the game market so they can make the thing they really want to. So I don't know. There's a lot of ups and downs to crowdfunding and I'm still kind of like on the fence about it. But how how do you feel about crowdfunding video games? Do you think it's a feasible option when it comes to uh, funding your project or should you really go The classic way of finding a publisher getting that polish and you know nose to the grindstone kind of style of uh, publishing your games
1: i when i first heard about that kind of stuff i was kind of (sighs) like i used to think it was maybe i don't want to say like a cheap way in but it was like I always was worried that they wouldn't work. You know, I was always more interested in like that older style of, you know, just making a game by the old way. But after seeing the, the games that got crowdfunded successfully, I realized like, wow, like almost all of the indie games I've enjoyed throughout my time playing games have all been crowdfunded and i'm i'm grateful for it i mean i've crowdfunded myself like it's it's a cool you know like and seeing how this goes beyond games too you know like it's kind of crazy how it it touches kind of everything um good and bad but um mm, yeah
0: that's a, another topic to dive down
1: it, yeah um i think it's great you know i it's cool seeing games still get funded and it's it the thing i like about it the most i think it shows the passion of people interested in a game and it's it's cool knowing that especially if it's a style of game you like like for me uh when i backed um like sea of stars and iodine chronicles it was because i love those kind of games and it was cool seeing all these other people show their love for it too and it's just i don't know it's fascinating like that feeling of being like yeah i helped back this like i helped make this a reality even if it was a small amount it's nice you know because before all this you have to think a lot of games got their funding from pre-orders mm um, especially like pre-orders are more of a big thing for, you know, A games, right? That's, that's where they get a lot of their funding if it's not through a first party, right? So if it's like not Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo made, if it's like a, another party in that pre-orders are where they're going to get their money. Um, and I feel like nowadays people don't like to pre-order if they don't have to so crowdfunding is really nice for a lot of these smaller teams and it's fascinating how much money they get from it too like i sometimes it really blows me away how much money gets put into some of these projects yeah
0: that's yeah, especially whenever they ask for like a small amount. It's like, oh, yeah, I only need $10,000 to make this. It'll be great. Thank you very much for helping. And then they get like $5 million. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, I mean, it's amazing and that's really cool. And it's great for the designers and everything like that. But that also must add so much stress to the project because now you have to live up to a $5 million expectation. It's no longer a $10,000 pet project. It is now a massive project that needs to be successful and you need to deliver. So I, I feel like that would add on a whole new level of stress that it would be so much to
1: handle. <laughs> yeah.
0: But the, with crowdfunding, there's one game in particular that kind of made it a feasible thing for gaming and it's always getting coined as one of the first major projects as far as crowdfunded video games go and that's actually a a game from Double Fine which I mean a lot of people love Double Fine of course you know who doesn't love Psychonauts and Psychonauts 2 and everything like that like they're they have such a, a amazing style that is just so iconic to them they always have a good amount of humor but there's always a really good message behind their games as well and the game uh, Broken Fine, which I believe was in 2012, uh, g- was actually a crowdfunded game. It was on Kickstarter. And they were asking for only $400,000. Now, with, that does sound like a lot of money for indie games and things like that, but Double Fine's a big company that's been there for a while. So this was really interesting to see whenever this uh, a large company or a well-known company was actually asking the fans to fund this project, which I thought was pretty interesting. But, I mean, who doesn't want to back Tim Schafer, right? He's such an iconic name in games that anything he touches, people are probably going to enjoy. You know, they might try and rip it apart, but it's still going to have that humor, that joy, that just love of gaming behind its message. But uh, Broken Age was actually looking for $400,000 That was the total goal in order to make this project happen, but it received more than $3,000,000. So this was obviously a huge, huge success. And it really showed the gaming community what crowdfunding can do for them. And after the initial PC release, you know, it's been brought out to consoles, even iOS and including the Nintendo Switch as well. So like this game is now everywhere, which is really cool to see. And it's nice to see that they, you know, use the extra funding to make sure it gets out to as many people as possible, which is is really good to to do there. Because the the crazy thing about the crowdfunding stuff is that when you give them the money, like they have that money out front. Now it's up to them to deliver. The money's already spent, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. already been given to them. So there's a lot of games out there and a lot of companies, not just games and companies, but a lot of crowdfunds out there that receive the money and then quickly lose the money and then cannot actually uh, deliver what they were trying to do. So that's something else we'll get into a little bit later in the episode. But what I think is really interesting about the fact that Double Fine showed or like kind of paved the way, at least, for uh, big companies to crowdfund was that the original intent of crowdfunded video games was for those indie companies, those unknown people who could not get publishers to publish their games. And now we have a well-known company Actually, using the crowdfunding to do that. So we've actually seen a lot of companies out there, like uh, like as far as like Sony and Nintendo, like they've also used crowdfunding nowadays to get their games made and put out there. So I thought that was a kind of a weird, right? Like it's a little backwards because every time I would see a larger company asking for crowdfunding for a video game or any project. It almost makes you feel like, well, we know you have the money, <laughs> so why am I gonna bother? Like, why, why do I have to pay for this whenever you obviously have it, right? So it's it's mm-hmm. a, a interesting question there, and I'm I'm curious of like how people interpret that or how people actually see that whenever they notice like a larger company doing that. Yeah.
1: If- Kind of weird. I I I've seen that before. I'm trying to think of something in the lines that I think for me when I think about a big company trying to crowdfund, granted, I mean, this company has kind of been irrelevant for decades, but you know, you look at the amico Mm -hmm. within television, and it's like that was a company, the dude who owns it is very rich and it's like, do you really need all this money? Like, if you look at FIG, it's up there for, like, very high. I think it's at $7 million. And only recently did they say, like, they don't know if it's even going to come out. So, like, is that money going to go back to everybody? You know? Like, yeah, it's raised $7.1 million. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they still haven't delivered it, even though they said they would, like, a year ago.
0: See, that's that's the other issue with crowdfunding is that I mean it, 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 I thought there was a, a deadline that if it's not delivered with X amount of time or a product not delivered, then people can start asking for their money back. I thought that was a thing.
1: It, it I think that's what I think that's why this it, it got into the news like a few months ago because time had kind of expired because I remember they announced it a few years ago that they mm. were going to do it. I think it was like two years ago. And uh, I mean, it doesn't really seem like something that needs years and years to really make. It's a very simple console, you know, mm. but regardless, yeah, it's like, that's a lot of money to just like not have a finished product by then. Like $7 million. Like you need to have, like, do you have a very small team? Like it should be done by now. Like that's a lot of money. But I don't know. That's always the fear with these kind of things is you never really know. But I feel like a lot of that is more so with hardware kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Like the Ouya? (laughs) Dude, (laughs) the Ouya was cool. I I never had one. I knew someone that did get one, though. Mm. And you have to think like the Ouya was kind of ahead of its time for Mm -hmm. what it really was. and Because I think. There was only one other kind of cloud or digital-based thing before that. It was like Play Online or something. And um, so it was really like ahead of its time. But at the same time, people nowadays don't even want that kind of stuff still. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I while it sounded really cool, I mean, it's a bummer that that thing never really worked out.
0: Well, and apparently a lot of people really wanted this thing to work. It raised $8.5 million. Yeah. So I'm it, really surprised that it's gone. Like, as of June 2019, it was just entirely stopped. Everything was just done in 2019. So, like, you you can't use it anymore, basically.
1: Yeah. Like, I think someone just figured out how to hack it, like, after all these years. Oh, that's funny. but. Yeah, because I think Towerfall was, like, their exclusive for a while on the OUYA, yeah, and then it came everywhere when people realized, like, it wasn't really doing anything.
0: Mm, that's kind of a shame.
1: So it was interesting. I I never realized, like, that a lot of these Kickstarters, you know, started 2009 and stuff. And I'm looking over it, and it's interesting, like, what were some of the first... um games or game adjacent stuff like the indie game the movie Uh, was one of the first few things which that movie was actually pretty cool yeah uh it's target was 15k and it made 23k which ain't isn't too shabby you know
0: good i mean for what it was and it's pretty simple movie to make but it's it's a great film i actually really enjoyed that film
1: and, like, a few of the first games on here, like, you know, they were small. Like, the first game that got their target, it it was made by the person who would later do Nidhog, which, you know, that was pretty successful. Mm. And then um, I think the first kind of big game, even though this game didn't really get big until a few years ago because it finally finished. But I didn't realize Kentucky Route Zero um, was, like, one of the first, like, ten games. I remember people being very aggravated about it because the acts would take, like, years to come out. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking the game looked so damn cool, but I never picked it up back in the day because it wasn't finished. And then they finally finished it. And um,
0: and then it won awards, right? <laughs> like,
1: yeah, it's a really cool game. Like, i I think it's very, like, it's a fascinating game. Mm-hmm. um but after that you know you just start seeing all these other big name indie titles like uh, cthulhu saves the world isn't that big but you know we have minecraft the story of mojang mm-hmm. Mojang, i was gonna to say that um yeah, mojang. mojang, yeah uh no time to explain octodad 2 you know then you got like that's when you start getting the bigger ones after that you know oregon trail or hero broken age games
0: out there exploding kittens
1: it's a huge, oh yeah it's a huge board game. games and tabletops is a whole another thing too yeah. like it's i think that's the thing that's really taken off right now on kickstarters that i was looking into and i was doing research on this i was like whoa like mm-hmm. people are dropping money on these board games like i think the dark souls one I forget. I think that made the goal.
0: I'm pretty sure it did. I uh, it got three point oh, yes. seven million euros.
1: Damn. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's
1: a it lot looks of money. Badass though. Yeah, it looks super cool. But yeah, I
0: mean, like as far as tabletop goes, man, it's an it's an exciting way to get your your games made. I can tell you from personal experience of like actually talking about how to get this stuff published and put out there. And it costs so much money for just even a tester kit, right? Like just to see if your pieces actually make sense. You have to get a one-off, which it costs even more because you can't buy it in bulk, right? So there's mm-hmm. way too much money that goes into this stuff. Whereas with video game development, you just hit play. <laughs> and if it works, mm-hmm. cool. If it doesn't, oh, well, start again. So it's it's a lot that goes into this stuff. And so for the tabletop genre, it's pretty amazing what's coming out. And yeah, there's just so much cool stuff. But a couple other games that kind of blew me away that were crowdfunded that I didn't really realize it was like a Darkest Dungeon is actually crowdfunded. It received $313,000 oh, yeah. in 2016. Uh, Banner Saga was actually one in 2014, raising $723,000. And the visuals on Banner, Banner Saga are just phenomenal. I, I really enjoy that game. But yeah, those the games are cool. One that I had no idea was crowdfunded, no idea whatsoever, was uh, Divinity: Original Sin. So that was actually a crowdfunding game uh, for the PC in 2014, and it received one million dollars to actually make that happen. Because I mean, Divinity is a fantastic title. Uh, if you want like d the game, well, I know a lot of people are kind of hating on d d right now, and I totally understand why. And I think that would be an excellent thing for us to really discuss in a later date so we can actually really like dive into it. But regardless, if you want something like that tabletop role playing style in a video game, this does it right. And the fact that it was a crowdfunding game is just so cool. I had no idea.
1: Yeah, there's the list is just crazy. You know, you look at Blasphemous, that was one. Um, Hypnospace Outlaw, the Wasteland two and three games, which were are great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. The one that I was interested in, the Iodin Chronicles, like they they came out with that little prequel game last year that's more like a Metroidvania kind of game. That mm-hmm. one's really cool. Um and then uh, let's see there was other one Psychonauts 2 was yep. one which was interesting Yep Um they weren't going to make which it which I was kind of surprised for some
0: reason about. like that one wasn't getting backed by major publishers despite
1: it, Yeah, I was surprised with how like successful that game was when it came out like it's kind of surprising but and uh the amount
0: of fans that were calling for it Mhm so it's just kind of bizarre to see that
1: um but one that I found interesting was Thomas was alone and it didn't make its target goal but obviously it came out. Mm. Um it, they wanted like 4 grand and they only got like 2400 but even though like they didn't make the money they were still able to hire um Danny Wallace for like the the voice which is kind of iconic for that game. I mean it, when you look at it, you don't really think it needs a lot of money to be made, but it's still like it's still a lot it's to interesting, go like... yeah, yeah, and paying actors and stuff, but it I feel like a lot of like those indie titles in the from two thousand ten to twenty fifteen all the ones that are known all seem to have been kick started, which makes sense, right, mm-hmm. because back then you know, indie titles were just, they were new, you know, you think about it before and it was just major studios or B studios making games, you know, it weren't really like any, like anything out of the box, you know, like I, uh, recently was looking in trying to find indie titles like before, like, like the very early aughts or like late nineties. And it's like, You start digging into studios that are not really like indie. They're just more so like small teams. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's fascinating, you know, looking at a lot of these names and you're like, wow, like some of these barely made their goals too, but they ended up being so successful.
0: See, I like Um, that. I like it where even despite missing their goal, they still wanted to find a way to make that game. And to put it out there. So I think that's that's a really I mean that says a lot about the company itself, right? Like that's a that's a huge ordeal to take on, even if you don't make your goal. Because some people might look at these goals and these numbers that people are trying to hit as like a ridiculous number because right, like even with Thomas alone, right? Like, let's let's look at that. The game play itself is pretty simple. But regardless of that, if you think their main goal was four thousand dollars, right? Think about how much you make in a month. That's like maybe for some people that might be three months worth of pay. So he was hoping to dedicate three months of his life to make this project happen. So it wasn't like an exorbitant amount of money, but like if you got to break it down that way too, as far as like time goes, he had to supplement his income some other way, because if he's going to get this project out, especially if you're crowdfunding, you have to get it out in a timely manner. You have to be reactive to the public just to make sure everyone isn't like uh, no one bashes your idea or loses faith in what you're creating because they're, you know, chipping into your passion to what you want. So it's really just like, you got to really think about it that way, too. Like these people are taking, they they might be quitting their jobs to make this thing happen. And now they need to pay rent, right? Like, so some of these goals are not that crazy outlandish, whereas others you look and it's like, why is that a million (laughs) dollars? Like, you just don't know what kind of number to put, be more reasonable, please, right? Like, I don't know. it's an interesting what? idea to kind of look at.
1: I didn't know this, but Oculus was a Kickstarter. Really? The Oculus Rift. Yeah. They only wanted 250K and they ended up raising 2.4 million. But I mean look at where Oculus is now.
0: Yeah. Right. That's amazing. Right? Like I didn't realize
1: Facebook bought them all the way back in twenty fourteen.
0: Oh they I feel like it's
1: only that. been like past few years.
0: That's crazy. So they've had them for almost a decade, nine years. Wow!
1: Wow, and they've gone
0: really far. I mean, I guess Facebook did something right.
1: (laughs) I mean, Facebook Horizons is a little funny looking, but yeah, Uh, yeah. It it VR tech is very interesting, and it's cool seeing that with the new advances in VR that you were starting to see a lot more crowdfunding for VR titles, which, I don't know, I'm always rooting for that because I feel like you can do some really creative stuff with VR and we see some of it, but not a whole lot.
0: Right, right. Now, there are a lot of projects that do receive their funding and do exceed their goal astronomically, but then fall flat on their face, <laughs> right? and there's some companies even that like don't even hit the ground running. They get, they get the funding that they're asking for, but then they go nowhere with it or they don't know how to manage the funds that they get. And they just kind of blow it on stuff. That's really not appropriate for everything. (laughs) Like for instance, there's a small game out there. It's called ant simulator. All right. It didn't like get a lot, a lot of money, but it did, beat its goal as far as it goes and that's typically that's just what the game is it's an ant simulator right you control ant hive and you have to just kind of thrive that way but apparently after it was funded the company ended up going under or this indie company like they ended up stopping the project and having to return all the funds back to everybody or find out how to uh, because apparently the money was blown on unprofessional endeavors quote unquote quote according to uh the lead developer eric uh so (laughs) that was his uh, explanation as to why he i mean he really he blamed the failure and abandonment on his coworkers. he didn't take any blame whatsoever on as to why the game failed and why it didn't come out but in an interview his response was unprofessional endeavors uh that was what he went into he didn't want to go into any facts or anything like that uh, apparently this uh strung up some pretty big controversy and some little bit of drama there because his co-workers then backlashed saying like uh you know we didn't do any of that stuff <laughs> they're claiming we just didn't you know uh, budget the money properly and didn't know how much we actually needed so they <laughs> but it's it's kind of funny to see how uh, that stuff goes but For a game that's a little bit bigger, right? In the beginning of the episode, I mentioned that a lot of these successful Kickstarters are the ones that really get the funding quickly or are ones that either have a hit to nostalgia or they have a famous person backing the project or being a part of the project itself. And this game, Mighty Number 9 had an amazing video game celebrity attached to the title. I mean, it was the lead developer of Mega Man, right? It was Keiji Inafune. And he wanted to make Mega Man the way that he originally envisioned it. So apparently Mega Man, as we know now, was partly him and then partly the studio telling him how to make the game happen. Where now he's saying that he wants to be able to make Mega Man the way he wanted to, right? So obviously Mega Man is huge, and it raised three point eight million dollars. It had sixty seven thousand backers. People were really excited for Mighty Number Nine, and I'm not gonna lie, I was super stoked on it too. I thought it was gonna be awesome. I, you know, if he's saying that he now has full creative freedom of this game, I was super excited and curious to see what would come out of this. And as a lot of people might know, it was filled with bugs. It had a lot of issues. It did not work correctly. And a lot of people were very, very upset with Mighty Number no. 9, that it was not what they had hoped for. So this is a game that did get the backing and got a lot of money. And ultimately, kind of fell flat on its face. And it, you know, it missed its deadlines multiple, multiple times. Uh, there was a lot of miscommunication within uh, the ranks there. And it, it kind of makes sense now, right? Because a lot of people were asking, why does this man who's made Mega Man, right? Like, why does Inafune have to go to crowdfunding to make a new Mega Man game? Why can't he just go to Capcom and say, like, hey, I'm ready to make a new one. Let's do this, right? And it, we can kind of see why now that the the game just wasn't there. It wasn't the polish that Mega Man was known for. It wasn't that same thing that we wanted, right? It just wasn't the right kind of game. But Capcom quickly, uh, you know, kind of tried to save Mega Man there, uh, and by releasing Mega Man Eleven shortly after, which, you know ended up being a very a successful game, right? Like, it was the the Mega Man that we know that we wanted, but it's kind of unfortunate to see how Mighty Number no. 9 just did not do so well. Because, I mean, regardless, it looks cool. I mean, there's that.
1: I remember reading a story about why the whole thing with Capcom happened, and a big part of it was because he was trying to do this online Mega Man game. Mm. And he ended up not finishing on the deadline and what was made like Capcom didn't like and they just didn't kind of trust his opinion nor was he happy that he wasn't able to like, you know, finish it. Mm. Um so when he left, he figured, "Oh, I can make something very similar to it." And I remember the hate that game got when it came out you know it i remember or hate once people realized it was broken but um that's a bummer you know like when i think about a good modern Mega Man game i think of like 20 xx you know like that that game's phenomenal and you have co-op with it too like
0: yeah you
1: know it's just a bummer that my number nine didn't make it and it's interesting that people to this day still like talk about it like kind of rare to find a game that's like kind of small like that but at the same time like people still like think about it i don't know at least the people i talk to sometimes bring it up still and it's it's fascinating
0: yeah like so, I, same i've I've noticed that too where the, it's still part of the conversations so i'm wondering like did this really fail <laughs> right yeah like because people still discuss it like it's i still see people play it but it's just not I think the the failure of it is that it's not Mega Man. It's its own thing. So we need to treat it as such, right? Like at least think about it that way. I mean, it is a Mega Man game, but, you know, we we still need to think about it in a separate term.
1: You know, a game that bummed me out that didn't do too well um, was uh, called Gotis. God us!
0: Oh yeah, I remember that one.
1: Uh, I remember um back in the day when this came out. I was like heavy into like indie titles and everything, staying up to date with it. And I remember hearing about this game because uh Peter Molyneux, and I've I've always liked his games. You know, I know there's a lot of controversy with him being like kind of you know thinking he's like the greatest, but You look back at some of his games and I mean, it's hard not to say that dude knows what he's doing. You know, you look at Populous, you look at Theme Park. I mean, back in the day on the PlayStation 1, I remember having my long box copy of Theme Park thinking, wow, this is crazy that you can play this on here. Like, very interesting. And then, you know, you got Fable and all that kind of stuff. So, and Black and White. I mean, hell, Black and White's, probably in my opinion a favorite from his so when i heard about Godus, i was like oh this is this kind of feels like black and white right it's a god game and you know that's really a genre we haven't seen in a very long time nor or at least done well and it's a bummer because they met their goal but it just never got finished it's it's weird because I remember people hyping this up for a long time. Like I feel like after the goal was met, like a year or two later, people were still talking about like, oh I can't wait for this, can't wait for this, and then you realize nothing's happening. Like the Steam page is up. It's it's still in early access. Um and it was interesting because 2016 so the kickstarter and all that was you know 2013 uh, or 2012 and then 2013 it came out in early access but it was very basic very buggy nothing really happened until 2016 which was a little updated beta but the lead developer left uh because the contract expired and you know there was uh I think it's also yeah, it's on iOS. Um and that's where it was getting at least some updates. But no one really heard anything of it till last month. Um I think I think it was Molyneux that even said something about it. He was what did he say? We are announcing the first new set of features for GOTIS in almost two years. And that should be coming out before Christmas, and <laughs> that's ridiculous. nothing came out. <laughs> um, of course, yeah, it's a bummer because it's like it, you would expect like something really big from him, and I think one thing well, he, that I he realized too so much, right? Like he, that's the thing. Yeah, like with his games, they're always I feel like they're very like. Special, and almost seems like they'd be difficult to make. But like the thing, I remember. I think it was last year, two years ago now, when the NFTs were all getting big. He was coming out saying like, "Oh, I'm working on an NFT game with this company," and it's like, "Wait, weren't you making something else?" Like,
0: yeah. What about the game that you promised us?
1: (laughs) Yeah, like it just showed that he was like chasing the money, which I mean is understandable. You know, everyone wants to make some money, but it's like, damn, like he was, I remember him treating Gotis as like, like the next best game. Like, I remember all the hype that it got, mm-hmm. and it's a bummer because he just abandoned it. Like they made two other games since they made Gotis Wars, which is like an RTS. Um, And then that same company made another game which I think is totally different from it. But it's a bummer, you know, because it basically was just abandoned. And it's like, so where did all that money go?
0: I'm almost wondering if early access is the main issue there, right? Because like, technically they can say they released it. They upheld their end of the bargain. The game is out there. You can play it. It might not be what you expected, and but it's there right like so i'm wondering if in his mind or in the mind of a lot of creators out there like it's it's out there people are playing it so now time for the next project right instead of fulfilling their end of the deal completely and owning up to every single word that they delivered i i'm I'm wondering how early access uh, plays into that and how it also plays into the idea that you can get your money back if the product wasn't actually delivered right like does that omit that completely because there is a playable version it's it's kind of like a a weird gray area right
1: well i think a lot of people when they realized the ios version was getting a lot of updates i think that's where people got kind of mad uh, because you know it's free and they updated it you know microtransaction all that kind of junk but. You know, it, it's just a bummer that, like, the PC side has never gotten anything from it. And, yeah, like you said, like, some people use that early access as just an excuse of saying, like, oh, it's it, it's kind of released. You
0: right. know, like, it,
1: it it's kind of right. But, like, it's, I don't know, it's just a crummy way to swindle money from people.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's the, the dark side of <laughs> crowdfunded video games. The fact that we have so many different outlets now for that. And I'm I'm curious of how the the backers feel that knowing that it's a free game on iOS right now, whenever they spent money to have this thing out and they're not getting what they were promised. So yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of frustration there, which is unfortunate. Now, one other game out there that is kind of well known for being not the greatest success story as far as actually making its goal. Yeah, it made its goal. And then some, (laughs) for sure. Uh, But this one really plays on nostalgia. So people really, really wanted a Shenmue 3 for some reason. Oh, shit. Yeah. I I, I don't know why (laughs) people really wanted Shenmue 3. Like, uh, Did you play Shenmue 2? I never did.
1: I played the first one, and then I... Wanted to play the second one, never had an Xbox back in the day to play it, and then now I own one and two, and haven't touched two still. Mm -hmm. But those games are hard to go back to already. Right. You know?
0: So, this game actually got released, or the crowdfund got released with the announcement of the Final Fantasy VII Remake in 2015. So, this was like a big show. That they were putting on, and they decided to announce. Well, if you guys want Shenmue three, prove it. Show it to us by you know spending (laughs) your money on it before it's even out. And within eight hours, okay, within eight hours, Shenmue three raised two million dollars. It's insane. And then the ultimate goal, its final total after everything was all said and done, was six point three million dollars. Like that's insane but unfortunately the final game was not what players had hoped for uh, apparently the campaign's not that great uh it the game didn't make the impact that people were hoping for this was really more of just fans of the franchise wanting more of that franchise uh it's i don't know it's it's weird but apparently there are some fans out there that are still holding out hope that shenmue will become a much more well-known title as far as being like a positive title (laughs) in the world of gaming because a Shenmue anime has been announced and they're hoping that that's going to help things get back on track but still right like it's insane how much money was spent on this project and it's kind of crazy to see how much nostalgia plays into these games getting funded but just because that much money is thrown at something doesn't mean that the right amount of resources are going to be put forward. Right. So, like, Square obviously did not really want to make this game because they announced it as a crowdfund to see if it would even get any interest whatsoever. Their money and their uh, resources were going into the Final Fantasy 7 Remake. That's their primary focus, the Final Fantasy series, not Shenmue. So, and it, it showed in the development of this game, unfortunately. So, I. This is one of those where it's not really like i wouldn't say it's the developers fault that it failed it's just i don't think that people really understand what they wanted like they wanted shenmue 2 again but you can't do that like it needs to be something new something updated and you need to have passion within that project of the developers themselves and if it's something that the studio itself doesn't really Feel confident in, then the final result's going to show it too. And it shows it here pretty heavily. It's a tough one.
1: Man, I remember being so interested in it. Yeah. Like the idea of a new Shenmue sounded so cool. Like Shenmue back in the day on the Dreamcast was mind blowing. Mm hmm for what it did right the day and night cycle the the liveliness of it right like it felt like a life sim uh but once the yakuza games got redone it it almost felt like too dated to go back because after playing probably the first four yakuza games i tried to go back to shenmue and it was It wasn't easy. I I Mm -hmm. couldn't do it. Like it was, it was just too clunky. And apparently, they didn't really
0: fix that. that They have, they have so many better examples of that game now, right? Like the Yakuza Mm -hmm. games, like Persona, right? Like there's, there's that. There is Shenmue out there in spirit, but done modern and more advanced and actually innovative in some way. So yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like that game was very inspirational for the industry in many different ways, but it's one of those games that's just. It was good for the time, but that style just doesn't really work anymore, you know? Without like a lot of quality of life fixes, but that would just take away from the game. You know? a really big crowd funded game that I've been kind of avoiding talking about
0: oh.
1: because I mean mm, there's a lot of people that really like this game and a lot of people that just talk a lot of crap on it oh. but the elephant in the room is star citizen oh. you know, the yeah. the biggest crowd funded game ever right 400 million dollars
0: that's insane
1: Probably more because I don't know if that's counting people buying the ships in there. Maybe it is. Because um, that's how they make all their money is people buying, paying real money for these ships. That's ridiculous. The game is gorgeous though. Like uh, I, I knew someone that actually had that game. Uh, he had a pretty beefy rig too so I remember just watching him play and this was before all these big updates that they had and I was like wow this game is beautiful. Like what they've done with that game is really nice, but they, in my opinion, they haven't done enough for that amount of money, right? Like, you you look at the updates, like, I was, while we were doing this, I was looking at these updates, and I'm like, oh, this is cool, alright, this is nice, like, they got a little space station going on here, like, it's fascinating, but with how big this game is supposed to be by what they say... Like, it's a game that's just never going to get finished Mm -hmm. because they're just always going to add to it. Like, there comes a point where you say the game's finished and then you just keep updating it. But I feel like they're doing the opposite where they just want to keep updating it and won't really say it's finished until, who knows, maybe like another two decades when they can add everything. To
0: to put it into context as far as time-wise goes, uh, they started pre-production in 2010. Uh, they launched their Kickstarter campaign in twenty twelve and the title was expected to release in twenty fourteen, but it's twenty twenty three now. So when is this game going to actually come out? Right? It has four million backers right now. It's insane. Of course it has the most because it's the longest lasting uh crowdfunded out there probably. It's been
1: And it's independent like they had their initial one on Kickstarter but then they went to independent uh crowdsourcing and it's still successful. I still see people talk about it a lot. You know, you look at their subreddit and it's it's popping. Yeah. People are like it's a game that literally looks like a screenshot simulator. Like people just take really amazing pictures with it and as someone who's a sucker for virtual photography i really want to experience it at the same time i know my computer is nowhere near strong enough for it that's the other
0: thing too right the people who are backing this also need to have a strong enough rig to actually run this title
1: yeah It, it it's a very gorgeous game and i can see why people would hope for this right like this is the the dream space exploration game and you know the ideas behind it are amazing you know like there's not many games that have a grand scale exploration thing in space right no man's sky is cool but it's you know randomly generated you know you look at outer wilds and while that has amazing exploration it's short you know it's linear to an extent you know, and then you have mm-hmm. Stellaris and Elite Dangerous and stuff. But this game, it's like... I I hope it does well. You know, I, I'm not going to back it. But, you know, it. if this game ever finishes, yeah. I, I could say, yeah, this game probably will be one of the most, like, expansive games ever. But I don't know. As someone who... remember being excited about this when i first heard about it it's weird to think like wow they're still working on this but i don't know i think like i said it it's one of those where they just want to keep working on it without like saying that they finished and
0: it's going to become one of those games that they are able to people use it to launder money like they're going to end up in some weird legal trouble i bet right like where people are buying ships and selling ships on there or something right like <laughs> like it's in order to pay for things that are might not be appropriate but just a way to send funds away right, to different places
1: i mean it could be you know with the, the how expensive some of those ships are yeah i could see that yeah
0: yeah it's, i don't know it might be one of the most anticipated games but then yeah like at what point do you say that it's it it's done it's ready Like, it's been, they've been working out for uh, over 10 years. They've been working out for 13 years, technically, now. Like, and how many times do they have to change the engine, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of nuts. Like, this game just needs, they just need to finish it and just say, it's good. It's done. Because, like, if you look at gameplay footage, even recent gameplay footage of, like, seven months ago, there's so many glitches and things like that, like, NPCs walking through walls and it's it's kind of weird right like for something that's been in production for 13 years and it has $500,000 or 500 million dollars backing right like you i would expect i think they're they're gonna run into that major issue now where that final price tag is not going to reflect the gameplay footage of it like it looks gorgeous but it's still buggy and it's just not gonna come out and it's it's too much they, they've made too much money off of this. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening in. And we will talk to you guys next week with the next exciting episode as we dive further into the world of games. But until then, bye for now. Thank <music> you.